But the truth is, I wanted, I'm speaking on fruitfulness this morning because I was speaking to God and I said, Lord, after such a powerful conference, what is your expectations of the people? Because one of the things we have to understand is that meetings like this does not just end on a high note. It ends with God expecting something. Uh, And every time God speaks, there's an expectation that God places upon the people. And so as I was wrestling, I said, Lord, what is your expectation of the people? Because we can go away from this conference. Oh, it was powerful. Oh, when when the, the, the downpour was powerful, this was powerful. What does God expect of us? What is required of us? And the Lord said, fruitfulness. And I really just want to bring everything together and speak to you about fruitfulness just for a few minutes. Uh, and then we will give over to Pastor Kunli. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and John chapter 15. And thank you again so much for the love, the hospitality. Uh, I really enjoy the Nigerian culture so much, you know. You guys just have such a beautiful spirit. And uh, it's always a blessing to be with you and to fellowship with you. And that's probably one of the reasons why I come every year, not just as a preacher, but I realize how heavy the download is in this place. And I said on several occasions to Pastor Kundi, if I have to say nothing and just be here for the download, man, I've, I've, I've received. I've received, you know. And that is what really moves me. And I mean, for pure streams, the word that the man of God gave you obviously means you need to get a passport. Now, that's true. It means you... It means you need to get a passport because the man of God said the nations will see you. That means you need to get ready to travel and be practical about it. You, you know, very important. First Corinthians 4, 17, 21, we're speaking about unfruitfulness. That is why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus just as I teach. Now there's the combination, observation and teaching. He looks at his life and then he matches it against his teaching. Are you with me? How I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Verse 18. Some of you have become arrogant thinking I will not visit you again. But I will come soon if the Lord lets me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. There's a profound line there. Or if they really have God's power. And this is one of the struggles with us in the body of Christ. We cannot make a distinction between the power of God and arrogance. Mm. And so sometimes we have a whole lot of gimmicks that we build around us to give you the impression that it's the power of God when it is simply just our flesh that's on display. Mm. Verse 20, For the kingdom is not just in talk, it is living by God's power. What do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? Then let's read a few verses from the Gospel of John. John chapter... 15 verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. Now again, here he speaks about that connectivity that both Prophet J.J. and Pastor Kunli highlighted. He says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now watch this, the reward for fruitfulness is pruning. That's very interesting. That when you show fruit, God prunes you again. It's, and, and, and in our worldliness, we have, we have interpreted pruning as punishment, but Jesus says pruning is reward. So, so let's carry on. We'll get into that. Already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, connectivity. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and he withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, let me start off by saying to you, the power of anything that is spoken, that is preached, that is declared, can only be tracked in productivity or in fruitfulness. If what we have shared over these few days is not produced at any level in your life, then what we did was just powerless philosophy. What we did was just powerless rhetoric. What we did was just empty talk. It was just us entertaining you with a whole lot of verbiage that had no power behind it. And so one of the ways that we know a meeting was powerful is we are able to track the fruits and the manifestation of that meeting in the lives of the people that sat under that ministration. And you would notice in the life of Jesus, whenever Jesus spoke, he searched for fruits. Jesus would have a conversation. After a while, he would come back and he would search for fruits. Because the real power is not in the dialogue. The real power is in the manifestation of the fruits after the dialogue. Uh, at, the advent, at the advent of Jesus coming to the earth, uh, it encapsulates how Jesus speaks about things must shift. How the scripture speaks about how things must shift from the invisible to the visible. From the abstract to the concrete. And that is important because it speaks about a progression from something just being a word that is spoken in the atmosphere, a word that is released over somebody, to it actually becoming something visible and tangible, fruit that can be seen, fruit that can be weighed, fruit that can be trusted. Think about it. Look, look, look at the scripture in John quickly. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That word was with God in the beginning. You read verse 14 of the same chapter. It says, And then that word became flesh that word became visible that word became concrete in that sense it shifted from an abstract understanding of it it's it shifted from an invisible understanding of it to a tangible visible something that you can touch something that you can handle something that you can see something that you can weigh it shifted into their dynamic and that word became flesh dwelt amongst us we saw the glory the glory of the only one from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now watch this, there is a progression. And so it first exists as something that is just spoken, but then there's a progression to something concrete, something tangible, something visible. And that then becomes the reference point of how effective a meeting was. So if we have 10 sermons or messages that was released, we can only track how effective the conference was, not based on the content that was released, but based on the fruit that begins to come up as a result of that. So the impact of the conference will not be seen today, but the impact of the conference will be seen over the next 12 months. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And that then becomes the visible manifestation of how effective the conference was. Now in our worldliness and in our carnality, we tend to weigh how good was the music? How good was the sermons? How good was the preaching? Even though that is important, there is a very limited understanding of what took place. Because the transaction now can only be seen in how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself, and how you walk out the next 12 months of your journey. 
And the next 12 months will have to be a place where you contend for the fruits of this meeting. Are you following me? And so the tension for most believers is in producing the word. But also, productivity and fruitfulness must be framed correctly because if we don't frame it correctly, we end up chasing pipe dreams that are informed by our ambition and that are not informed by the Spirit of God or shaped by the Spirit of God. And so for starters, our productivity or our fruitfulness must be informed by the word that God speaks to us corporately and then individually. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because in the church, when you ask somebody what is fruitfulness, they can throw anything at you. In the body of Christ, we are, you, they can throw anything at you. What's fruitfulness? To some people, that's the size of the building. What's fruitfulness? That's the size of the congregation. What's fruitfulness? That's traveling all over the world as a preacher. The conversation frames the type of fruits we will search for. So what that means, the onus rests then upon you to take the notes from this conference, to take the conversations from this conference, and to work it out. And to work it out. And those were some of the things Pastor Resola highlighted yesterday. Are you with me? So, we have to then shift it from invisible to visible. From abstract to concrete. Very, very key that we understand that. And that word then begins to create the boundaries and the perimeters for fruitfulness. Talk to me somebody. If the word does not shape it, you can find yourself participating in meaningless, fruitful exercises, thinking you are being fruitful. And we generally tend to veer into meaningless exercises because a lot of our journey is shaped by our personal ambition and not by the Spirit of God. In First King Samuel, one of the things you would in First Samuel rather, one of the things you would notice that is so key is that God does not reward meaningless exercises he rewards purpose explain that to you you look at Saul for example Saul is not a priest Saul is not a judge but Saul offers makes an offering as a priest and a judge and what happens to him the kingdom is taken away from him now even though he had strong activity that activity was not framed accurately And God passed judgment on his activity. Why? Because he did not allow his purpose to frame what God would receive as a worthy sacrifice. And what I mean by that is that your purpose generally determines the worthiness of your sacrifice. Let me try and simplify that. I'm not a prophet by calling. So there's no amount of prophetic ministry that I deliver that will necessarily be a pleasing sacrifice or pleasing offering to God. But I'm a teacher. And so God will judge me predominantly on that dimension of my ministry. So even though I can give you an accurate prophetic word, it really does not move God. You understand what I'm saying? God will use me because He needs to get a word to you, but I will only be judged on the things that frames my assignment. Do you get what I'm saying to you? And that then becomes the area where God looks for fruit and where God looks for productivity. Now when purpose does not frame it, we become more committed to activity than to purpose and we produce meaningless fruits that means nothing in the broader scope of God's agenda. Are you following me? And so those things are very key that you begin to frame it correctly because if you don't frame it correctly, you can veer into a sense of busyness 
that might not necessarily be pleasing to God. God does not reward busyness. He rewards the specific detail of your assignment. And this is why you cannot be haphazard in the kingdom. You cannot be casual in the kingdom. You cannot be careless in the kingdom. You cannot wake up one day and go this direction and wake up tomorrow and go that direction. The kingdom has specifics that is tied to it. And those are the areas of fruitfulness that God begins to weigh as far as your assignment is concerned. And so in 1 Samuel, you have a king that is not a priest. He makes a sacrifice and you would think it would be pleasing to God, but it is not pleasing to God. Because he was trying to be fruitful in an area that was not assigned to him. And when we say our, our, our offering becomes pleasing to God, it is specifics to that offering. Are you following me? Yes, sir. And so we must always go back, and we touched a bit on this yesterday. What did God say to us? What is God's expectation of me? Because fruit is not generic. It is not one shoe fits all. But it is streamlined to the specifics of your assignment. And those are the things that God begins to weigh and look for fruitfulness. Now let me move on a little bit because I'm spending quite a bit of time there. The word fruitful comes from the Greek word karpophoros. And that word simply means to produce consistently or to be in a perpetual cycle of producing. In our two foundational tasks, one of the things that we see is that fruitfulness is first and foremost relational. Paul describes his relationship with Timothy. This is my child, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He has observed my walk, he has listened to my teaching. He bears fruit in this particular area. And I'm sending him to you because he has shown that he bears fruit in this particular area. And, and, and Timothy becomes fruitful because he consumes the teachings of Paul and he observes the ways of Paul. And one of the things you have to understand that is a prerequisite for fruitfulness is consumption and observation. It is consumption and observation. It is consumption and observation. You have to eat and process the teachings that flow from this pulpit daily. And then secondly, you have to look at the walk of the man that gives it. And that consumption and that observation connects you to the man of God at a deeper level. And you then, begins to, you then begin to produce fruit that is relevant to the journey and to the path you are on. So a prerequisite then for fruitfulness is consumption and observation. Consumption of the word. Eating of the scroll. Taking in the word that is being taught daily. And then it is observation because as you see him walk, you begin to see the visible expression of the teaching. Are you following me? Because we have to imbibe the word daily. We have to imbibe the word regularly. And as, a, and as a person in the church, when you are connected, those two things become key for learning. What you eat and what you observe. So the consumption of the word is going to be key for you in the next season. It's going to be key for you in the next season. Absolutely key. Let me tell you something. When the spirit of offense hits you, the first thing that you reject is the teaching of the word. The first thing, you, there's two things that, 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 that generally manifest when somebody is offended. There's two things that follows. No matter where in the world you are, these two things are always consistent. Begin to judge the word and begin to withhold resources. There is the science of an offended spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Withhold resources, question and judge the word. Now, in order to stay 
within that scope, you have to daily eat the word. And what I always tell people in our church is that the, the, the most intense battles in your spirit in a church service does not happen during praise and worship. It happens during the teaching of the word. When we worship, we're free, we enjoy, we in the presence of God. But let somebody take a microphone and teach. You will begin to feel the tension of your flesh and the tension of your spirit. Are you with me? You'll begin to feel that. So the enemy will then try to disconnect you from the word. And when you disconnect from what the man of God teaches, you disconnect from everything that flows out of that house. Are you following me? So he says, this young man has observed my teaching. This young man has consumed my teaching. Are you following me? Consumption and observation is key. And it deals with issues of connectivity. But then it ushers you into a space where you then begin to produce perpetual ongoing fruit that is specific to that house. Are you with me? Very, very important. In Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, same verse that we read earlier, he also describes the connect and the disconnect. And he speaks about how Timothy is connecting, but then he also speaks about how others have developed a deep sense of arrogance within themselves. Because when you disconnect and you no longer receive from the primary source, there's a type of arrogance that normally develops in you. Any person that's disconnected from the local church, men of God spoke about a local church, any person that is disconnected from the local church, there is a type of arrogance that's normally consistent with them. And, And to a certain extent, they legitimize that arrogance under the guise of they've been hurt. We have this misconstrued notion that pain makes slander legit. We have this misconstrued notion that pain makes slander legit. And you would notice with people that claim church hurt, there's always a type of arrogance that's consistent with them. And this is the thing, Prophet JJ, is that we assume that if people have hurt, it's their right to say the things that are not even godly. I'm actually writing a book on church hurt, The Myth and the Truth. Uh, We should be releasing it in the first half of the year. But one of the things that I highlight in that particular book is when they disconnect, there's an arrogance that visits them. Because if God's spirit lives, there must be a replacement spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Any place where God's spirit lives, there's a replacement spirit. And that is generally generated by the activity of your flesh. And nine times out of ten, there's a type of an arrogance that's consistent with that. And so the preaching and the connectivity to the word of God, it tends to keep us in a posture of humility. It tends to keep us in a posture of humility. Now watch this. Jesus takes that conversation a little bit deeper in the gospel of John. And he draws parallels between the vine and the branches. And he uses a very profound word. He uses the word abide. That word abide denotes the idea of staying in a place long enough. Staying in a place long enough. And he he denotes the idea that if you abide, you become fruitful. But just the thing with being abiding, there must be roots. There must be a posture of groundedness. Are you following me? And so the word that Jesus uses, he says, if you abide, if you stay, 
if you abide, if you stay, it's the Greek word meno. And it speaks about a relational context between the vine and the branches. And he used it scientifically to explain that if this thing remains connected to the, to the vine, there is fruitfulness that is administered to it. Are you following me? But the emphasis is the relational dynamic. As long as that branch remains connected to the vine, that relational dynamic is guarded and protected. It produces fruit. But he also explains the opposite effect. He says, if it does not remain, if it does not abide, it withers. It withers. It becomes dry. It becomes worn out. And it eventually dies. But the point of withering is that it is progressive. You, 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 you see the disconnect is a progressive decline. Now, we would be more aware of the decline if we see it happen immediately. But the decline does not happen immediately. It is a gradual decline. That means that somebody can disconnect and for 12 months he can still sound as if he carries something. For 18 months he can still sound deeply spiritual because he has developed the jargon of the house. He knows the lingo of Christianity. Uh, understands all those expressions and those dynamics. But over a period of time, you would see that individual start withering. And so the idea of withering is that it is a gradual process of decline. Now, here's the thing. Your arrogance is tied to the fact that you still know the lingo and the culture of the house. But what you do not know is that you are on a slow decline. And that's why the scripture says, take heed. How you stand. Take heed. How you stand. Because it is a gradual decline. And the thing with a gradual decline is that you don't notice it. You don't really notice it. And the trick that the devil plays on us consistently is that he gives us the impression that because we still know the lingo, we still know the culture, we still know the dynamics. We are still spiritual. But it is a gradual, gradual process of decline. So that means that a life within the branch is a direct reflection of the vine. It is not because of the branch. It's because of the vine. It's what you said. It's not because you are gifted. But it is because you are plugged into a source. And that source lights you up. But if you unplug, the game changes. The game changes. And so that gradual decline is deadly. It is dangerous. Because the thing with dying slowly is you don't realize you're dying. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? When you die slowly, you do not realize you are dying. And Jesus says... It withers away. It withers away. But here's the emphasis. That relational dynamic must be guarded. That relational dynamic must be guarded. The relational dynamic must be guarded. And one of the things that will challenge your fruitfulness or will come for you is the relational dynamic with your local church, 
and with a man that watches over your soul. And there's all types of things that will surface to challenge the authenticity of that relational dynamic. All type of things. The asset test of a relationship is offense. And if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was very deliberate in offending his disciples. Very intentional. He was very intentional in offending people. Because it dealt with an aspect of our flesh. You will only know somebody still carnal when he's offended. And so sometimes, even as leaders, offense must sometimes be deliberate to expose areas of learning and deliverance still needed in our spiritual psyche. Are you with me? Very, very key that you understand. A lady comes to Jesus and she wants healing. Jesus says, I can't give the bread to the dogs. I mean, uh, if that's not offensive. That's, that's, that's kind of that's ki- that's harsh, man. That's a bit heavy. No. It's only in Americans that call each other my dog, my dog, and it's a term of endearment. But in real life, it's not a term of endearment. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Uh, Jesus says to Peter, his own disciple, get behind me, Satan. Now, if Pastor Kunli calls you Satan, uh, and, and knowing him, he probably did. <laughs> But but the point is, Jesus was very harsh in his communication to expose areas of the flesh that needed work, that needed deliverance. But the relational dynamic had to be guarded so that the life and the luster that comes from the vine could continuously minister to the branch. Are you following me? Now, let me say this to you. Gifts can be imparted. 2 Timothy 1.6 Stir up the gift that you received. When I laid my hands upon you, Romans chapter 1, I have longed to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts. Are you with me? Gifts can be imparted, but fruitfulness can only be learned through a relational dynamic. Nobody can impart fruits. And here is the thing that we miss in the kingdom. We are judged in the area of fruitfulness, not in the area of gifting. You understand what I'm saying? There's a one area that is consistently judged. Gifts are never judged in the scripture. Because gifts and callings are irrevocable. Every good and perfect gift comes from, from God. So the gift, when it hits you, it's perfect. The gift is perfect in all its ways. Gifts are not judged in scripture. Fruits are judged. And fruits is an individual responsibility that speaks to the relational dynamic that individual has with his leaders and with his local church. And so God judges you for the things that are your responsibility. That's why in scripture, nobody's gift was judged, their fruits was judged. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. wasn't that gift that was judged. In part 70, they came back and they were raving about the gifts. Ah oh man, you know, demons bow at us. And Jesus said, do not let it excite you. Do not let it excite you. Because gifts are not judged. Fruits are judged. 
And the carnally minded have a tendency to exalt their gift above everything else and they think their gifts exempt them from fruitfulness. Talk to me somebody. Your gift is not an exemption. Your gift is not an exemption. But fruitfulness is learned. And Paul says, how did Timothy learn fruitfulness? He received my teaching. He observed my ways. He received my teaching. He observed my ways. He received my teaching. He observed my ways. And that relational dynamic then made him fruitful. Are you following me? But here's the challenge with this generation. We want the impartation without the relational dynamic. We want the impartation without the relational dynamic. Because the relationship... Holds us responsible. Uh, The relationship holds us responsible. And what we have to understand, I spoke a little bit about that yesterday. Your relationship with a man of God is not social, it is spiritual. It is not social, it is spiritual. And the framing of that relationship is key. I'm not going to labor that, we spoke about it the other day. The framing of that relationship is key. So here's what God is challenging you and calling and pulling you towards in this particular hour. What is the fruits that remain long after this conference is over? There will have to be processes, protocols put in place so that the fruits of the conference can be measured. We have long matured beyond the level where we say the teaching was powerful. Now we track you for six months. Now we track you for four months. Now we track you for 12 months so that we can gauge if the conference was effective. We don't measure the effectiveness of the conference based on how well it was organized. We measure the effectiveness of the conference on fruit that will remain. Fruit that will remain. But that requires that you frame the relationships correctly, that you remain connected to the vine, So that you can produce perpetually. And it's also good because as you begin to grow, as you begin to stretch, we can then trace back that movement to this event. You you understand? So when we say, did you see how Pastor Obi is accelerating, how he's expanding beyond measure? It goes back to the conference. Uh, Can you see how Glenn's is operating in another dimension? It goes back to the conference. And so now what needs to happen after a conference like this is we have to create a context for fruitfulness. That requires, number one, that the relationship is revisit, revisited, but also that the relationship go higher. Because in every conference, that, the, the honor needs to increase. The reverence needs to increase. Do you understand what I'm saying? It needs to increase to another dimension. And then there's also accountability to one another. And that relational dynamic then places us in a category where there is a perpetual flow and a perpetual manifestation of fruitfulness. I can tell you now beyond any shadow of a doubt, God is coming to search your fruits. And the fruits that are specific to the conversations that flowed from this pulpit over these seven days. The fruits that are specific to the declarations that was made on this pulpit. The fruits that are specific to the dialogue and the revelation that flowed out of this particular conference. And that fruitfulness must be made manifest because if you are not fruitful, 
you are cut you are uprooted you might not want to hear this but the kingdom has no room for unfruitful people this came to a victory wanted fruit out of season and that's the thing that you don't understand about god Why would he want fruits out of season? It's symbolic what what is playing out there. Why would he want fruits out of season? Because there was a previous season that triggered fruitfulness in a perpetual way. You understand what I'm saying to you? And then when he he curses it because it cannot produce fruit. And so the kingdom does not cater for the unfruitful. The kingdom makes no room for the unfruitful. The unfruitful is of no value to the kingdom. The kingdom weighs and measures fruitfulness consistently. We are in a constant cycle of measuring fruitfulness. And what we have to understand as a local church is that gifts are never judged. Fruits are judged. Can he prophesy accurately? Absolutely. Does she lead strong in intercession? She's powerful. What are the fruits? Because when God gives you a gift, it is perfect. Every good and perfect gift comes from God the father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning God does not judge that which is already perfect and there's no way in scripture where gifts were judged but there's hundreds and thousands of scriptures (laughs) where fruits were judged and so what is the fruit out of this conference so here's the lesson you know I'm a teacher I'm a Pastor of a local church, we normally give you homework. Here's the lesson. All the notes that you've made over this weekend, over this week, take it, every conversation that took place, take it, draw parallels between this conversation demands this fruit. When Pastor Kunli spoke on dealing with mammon, this is the fruit that must come from it, generosity. uh, Are you hearing me? Every conversation, you need to at least, what type of fruits must come out of this conversation? And that then becomes the standard that you set for yourself and you hold yourself to that particular standard. We are not carnal where we just talk about it was powerful. But we go, we make it plain, we make it practical, and we love it out. So what I normally say to the guys is, what is the fruits of every sermon? Oh, pastor, the sermon was powerful. What is the fruits in your life that must manifest? Wow, Pastor, what a revelation. What are the fruits of that conversation? How long will it take for you to work this out? And you give yourself strict timelines. And that will really be the deciding factor of this conference was powerful. That will be the determining factor. If you abide in me, you will produce, you will bear fruit. But now watch this now. He says, and he that is fruitful will be pruned. <laughs> I read that scripture the first time. It was kind of like the reward for fruitfulness is pruning. Why would the reward for fruitfulness be pruning? The reward for fruitfulness is pruning. And that's scary. Because pruning deals with two things. The cutting away of dead things and the cutting away of overgrown things. 
Get a scripture up for me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But listen to what happens to the fruitful branch. Every branch that bears fruits, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. There's two things that pruning addresses. It cuts away that which is dead, and it cuts away that which is overgrown. So fruitfulness invites a process of cutting. Why? Because fruitfulness has the potential to breed pride and arrogance. Anytime we produce, our temptation is pride and arrogance. And then we produce at this level, our temptation is pride and arrogance. And then we produce at this level, our temptation is pride and arrogance. Now you guys won't say it out loud, but what feeling goes through you the first time you hear your song play? <laughs> you, you, you catch me? There's a type of a carnal feeling that comes upon you. I know the songs are spiritual, but when you hear that song and you look at yourself on that screen, you're like... Yeah, nay. You know, in South Africa, if something is extremely good, we say, yeah, nay. Yeah, nay. You know, when Twayson sees herself, that screen playing there in pastor's office, and pastor's listening to her music when she comes in, it's like, yeah, nay. Yeah, nay. Fruit must be followed by pruning. Because every level we attain has the potential to amplify our carnality. Church gets a new building. As grateful as we are to God, it can amplify our flesh. A significant door opens for us. As significant as it is and as grateful as we are to God, our flesh can be amplified. This is why the rewards for fruitfulness is pruning. And what does pruning do? It cuts away dead things. It cuts away overgrown things. So that we can have the right level of temperament for what God is doing in our lives. I want us to take a few seconds and pray that God would prune us again. This conference was powerful. This conference was significant. But I hate to be a party pooper. We now need pruning after such a powerful moment. We now need pruning after such a powerful moment. I don't want you to pray loud and intense. I want you just to speak to God in a very referential way for yourself. Prune me, Lord. It cuts away the dead and the overgrown things because every level of fruitfulness, every level of fruitfulness leads us into the temptations of pride, arrogance, where we become cocky and full of ourselves again. Just very reverently. I don't want you to go loud and intense. We, we're not doing that. The man of God already gave impartations this morning. This is just a prayer of reflection. This is just a prayer of introspection. This is just a prayer of search me, O Lord. Prune me, Lord. I just released a book. Prune me. Cut me. Significant doors just opened, Lord. Cut me. A new opportunity just found me. Cut me, Lord. Because the reward for fruitfulness is pruning. The reward for fruitfulness is pruning. Just take a minute more. It's a very referential prayer. 
This is not an intense, I want an impartation prayer. This is a search me, O Lord, type of a prayer. Because pruning deals with that which is overgrown. And anytime you produce at a level, certain things can become overgrown. Anytime you produce at a certain level, certain things can become overgrown. And God will reward you with a process of pruning. Thirty seconds. Just go in. It's a deep prayer. A deep prayer. Search me, O oh God. Sometimes I don't know that there's still issues of carnality at work in me. Sometimes it's well hidden. Sometimes it's well hidden. Search me, O oh Lord. Search me. Search me. Search me. In Jesus' name, we've prayed. Let me just pray this over you. So I declare now by the Spirit of God, it will be a season of fruitfulness. Yeah. I declare by the Spirit of God that no conversation that flowed in this conference will go amiss. Yeah. That you will produce the fruits yeah. that this conference demand. Because yeah. I told you, after every significant conversation, God has demands and expectations. And He will come over the next 12 months. To look for the fruits of the conversations that was released here.